Hello and welcome to the 50th episode extravaganza of the Internet Beer Users Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Pro, joined tonight, as always, by my co-host, Jay Torres. Jay, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up, Nick? Glad to be here on the great episode 50, last one of the year. 5-0. I cannot believe it. It's, it's, the age, it's the age-old adage, time flies when you're having fun, and this is yep. the perfect example of that. Uh, yeah, I can't believe we're already at 50. I mean, we did this almost a year ago. Um, we started recording before we actually yeah. released, but I yeah. uh, can't believe it's basically been a year, man. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. approaching the, the, the 52 for the year, but before then, we wanted to celebrate the 50th episode and, and also do a really fun uh, kind of year-end show. And what better beer than to celebrate this milestone than a beer actually donated to the show by a friend of the show, loyal listener, Brendan Ritz. Hit him up on Untapped at Brendan Ritz, B-R-E-N-D-O-N-R-I-T-Z. Lost it there in the middle. Almost saw the wrong letter <laughs> in front of the other letter. I swear I haven't started drinking yet. Um, but Brendan was very gracious and wanted to to give us something that he said was was a was a a show beer that or a style of show beer that wasn't really represented uh very often on the show that's fair that's yes, true yes so so obviously a lot of IPAs double IPAs etc and the style that we will be covering on tonight's show is a imperial russian stout actually and I think it's very fitting for our 50th show extravaganza to have a stout or an imperial stout at that. Because actually, Jay, if you recall, it was our first ever beer stout featured on the show. Yes, that is true. Episode one, we did cappuccino stout from Lagunitas. I did not. That's, that's, that's very fitting. Yes. And, awesome. I, and I'm going to stop myself because actually, if I remember correctly, it wasn't an imperial. It, wasn't, it was in the high sixes. What no, it was stronger than that. Was it was it in the eights? Yeah, dude, we were we were pretty good at the end of that first episode. <laughs> I, I remember. <laughs> All right, maybe I'm misremembering. I guess it was an imperial style, like I, like I initially recalled. Um, very good, very quality, and I think even at that time, if you're keeping track at home, that was pre 100 percent Heineken buyout of Lagunitas. So technically, no, nah, it wasn't really a craft brewery even then at that point. But still, they weren't. They were. They still had a, a a lot of that classic Lagunitas character, and they still do, arguably. But um, anyway, it just it, it's crazy to think of how much things have changed, even from about a year ago until now in the beer world, and and just the the, the breweries that have emerged and the styles that have that have come to prominence uh, as of late, and the things that we've covered on the show. But we're gonna actually go back in time with this one, right, Jay? Yeah, this. Thank you, Brendan, for donating uh, these two bottles. Uh, this imperial, uh, this imperial Russian stout from Stone is actually from 2012. Yes, 2012 release. Wow, wow! And you know, uh, stout knowledge on my end is very limited, as you listeners know. However, I do appreciate a great, really well-made stout, imperial stout. So I'm, I'm really excited about this. But um, something that. Brennan also mentioned was the fact that, hey, I, I got a pretty nice looking seller. You know, this is one of the standouts that I have in there. You know, we're looking at about five years now. And oh, crazy, right? And and yeah. and he said, I think this would be a great one for you guys to sample and, and lend your thoughts on on the show. 
Yeah. Um, I just looked at the year 2012. That's actually the year that I moved up here. Really? Huh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my, you know, tie into that date personally is that's pretty much, well, not date, but the year is the year that I really got into craft beer, um, 2012. Okay. And I think, I think I even mentioned that, that year on our first show and talking about kind of our backgrounds and, um, sampling our, my first, IPA from Lagunitas. And, and by the way, real-time follow-up here. Jay, you're absolutely right. I, I don't know where I got six from. Sometimes I I, <laughs> yeah. I like flip the number around. It actually, our cappuccino stout, our first show beer, clocked in at 9.1%. So that's that's about right. I, I remember we were, we were yeah. that was pretty good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Great way to start the, the, uh, the series, I guess you could say. And speaking of today's show beer, um, it's actually more than that. Jay, it comes in at 10.5%. I know. I'm a little bit scared. (laughs) Tonight's going to be another fun one here. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So uh, let's go ahead and give this one a pour here and take a look. Yeah, I poured mine out. It is completely dark. Looks like coffee. Really dark. Inky. Yeah. Can't see it. Yeah, super, super black, inky. Um, uh, the head that's coming in on here is really substantial, um, at least on, for my pour. Good, good level of it. It's uh, kind of like a mocha brown, nice, mm-hmm. nice light brown color to it. Yeah. In terms of stouts, this is this just looks this just looks the part. Just you know, right. you know, just super dark, deep black with the nice mocha light brown head. Um, aroma wise, I am getting it big time. Jumping out of the glass, Jay. What do you What do you think? I got I got coffee. I smell a lot of coffee. Uh, I smell the. I definitely smell the alcohol. Yeah, that was actually the first thing that I that I smelled. It was okay. Was the alcohol kind of jumping out? Um, okay. Definitely not in a bad way. Not in an overly astringent or alcoholic way, but in a nice assertive way, if you will. You know, it's kind of telling me, okay, you, this is. This is gonna be yeah a, yeah. This is gonna yeah. Be it's a, not like this is gonna yeah, be a big stout, basically. Yeah, it's not like you're smelling like pure like you know, like vodka or anything straight it, from like a shot glass or anything. But you can exactly. tell that it's uh, the alcohol is there waiting. Yeah, definitely getting some chocolate notes, some 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 roasty malt coming in as well. Um, I'm I'm getting getting like a um, I want to say a murkiness, but like a um. Man, I'm I'm struggling to to describe the note that I'm getting here. Let me let me take another whiff. It's it's kind of like a um, it's kind of like a wet scent. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can I know what you're talking about, do, but I do don't you know what I mean. Know how to describe it? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a like a like a um like a wet almost wet, like a wet like, piece of clothing almost. That sounds <laughs> yeah. really bad. It, it sounds disgusting. It's, it's like you, you you do your laundry and you kind of forget it in the wash for maybe like 10 15 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly like but almost not, it, it, but it's not off-putting. It's not off-putting. No, it's just no. kind of like maybe It's aged. Yeah, aged. there you go. It's like dare I say, you know, product of of the age on this one, right? Yeah. Could be. Um but in terms of stouts go, I mean just, you know, you get that that those chocolate Notes coming in, just roasted malt, the coffee as well, and this this just it looks great, smells great, um, and I think it's time for us to dive in. Let's do this, man! Cheers, and this is uh, cheers to fifty. Cheers to fifty. 
Oh, man. Whoa. Complex is the first word that comes to my head. Wow. Wow. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. You, I'm getting like Everything. three, four distinct um, flavor characteristic qualities just, just popping on the initial, wow, the middle, and then the finish. Complex is the best way of of putting it, Jay. That's that's the perfect first <laughs> hot take on it. Um, I want to say maybe the first or second like taste or notes that I get is the coffee. Alcohol is definitely there. It's not. Um, I wouldn't say it's off putting, but mm-hmm. it's it's well hidden. But it you know it's there. And man, I'm already scared. <laughs> oh, How are we gonna- oh, this is yeah. And I think it's kind of it's kind of like a running common theme for the show I, I i feel like i've said it like 20 times in the past 10 shows but um like jay said it's definitely a 10.5 percenter you can taste it but i guess the aging i'm assuming i don't know the balance yeah, it, just mellowed the it, it mellowed it out super super smooth i mean this is uh it, it just it 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 is it is a, more akin to a seven or eight percent stout that I've had, yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. the past, I can just say that right away. That it is just so balanced yet so complex. I am struggling to really put it into words. Um, <laughs> big, big chocolate up front. I mean, just yes. way, just boom, just blast you. Um, middle, um, you're getting that roasted malt that that I mentioned on the on the aroma. Just, just, mm, just really, really tasty. And then I'm getting really nice coffee you know like a dark coffee roast on the finish and just it just finishes nice and dry it's lingering so you can kind of get everything that i just described together and and whoa dude yeah this is this is crazy good um mouthfeel wise it's it's super easy to drink it's not too substantial but it's very smooth almost like silky Mm -hmm, mm-hmm 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 that's perfect. That's the perfect way of putting it. Silky smooth. Yep. I mean, the, 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 it's just it's just super finessed. I mean, no doubt. I mean, I don't know much about about aging, but I mean, it's come on. It's got to be. That's it's got to be a yeah. product of it, right? Yeah. No, yeah. I I definitely agree because I I don't you know I don't drink too many stouts either, but yeah. um, uh. I can't think of a, another stout aside from the ones that I try, um, you know, from Bottle Logic a mm-hmm. uh, uh, month or two ago. This is way up there, man. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, so I love to read the descriptions from the breweries. Some are better than others. Um, since we're talking about age right now and time that has passed, let me just say that Stone was really one of the first breweries I remember really enjoying. The, their write-ups right oh okay yeah yeah I, I just i mean lagunitas too just bringing them up again i mean they have that quirkiness about them um uh, i always enjoy their their descriptions as well but stone just kind of they they always they always had and they still do have that kind of um arrogant bastard type of of way about them kind of like yeah you know, we're yeah you know we're the beep 
and you know, <laughs> this is what we're this is what we're blessing you with. So here it is. So th- this is mm-hmm. kind of this is kind of in that same vein. So I'll read. It's it's pretty lengthy, but I'll just kind of read the second paragraph. If you look at the bo- uh, the back of the bottle, brewed in the authentic historical style of an imperial Russian stout, this ale is massive, intensely aromatic. Notes of anise. I don't. Know, is that the right pronunciation? Anise. Anise. Thank you, Jay. <laughs> Black currants. Coffee, roastiness, and alcohol. Even say it. And, he- <laughs> and heavy on the palate. This brew goes where few can and fewer dare even try. The style originated from Tsarist Russia's demand for ever thicker English stouts. Expect our version of this mysterious brew to pour like the Siberian crude, <laughs> like Siberian crude, and taste even heavier. Pretty spot on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. That's uh, wow! I'm, I can't get enough of this beer, dude. It's so good, but I know I can't drink it too fast, otherwise uh, <laughs> I'll be apologizing next year. <laughs> mm. Yeah, let me just let me just quickly say um, one of the things again in my in my lack of knowledge, ignorance, whatever you want to call it about aging, especially high alcohol type of of beers and stouts. I was thinking, okay, five years is a good amount of time. Obviously, this is meant to be aged. They advise you to actually, if you look at the the side here, Jay, they actually tell you right on the side, if I can get the right angle here, this stout sellers oh, yeah. especially well. We recommend getting a case and opening a bottle every three to six months to best enjoy its journey. Wow. Yeah. So um, obviously, it's it's meant to be aged hello but what i'm saying is is i was i was kind of like hmm you know is it going to be syrupy is the carbonation going to be present there Mm -hmm. and and is it going to drink the right way and obviously that has to do with bottle conditioning i i I get that concept enough to to know that the answer to that is yeah of course the 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 carbonation is going to be there properly but i'm just pleasantly I don't want to say surprise, but I'm just pleasantly pleasant that <laughs> this is this is amazing. This is I, I'm just I'm floored. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure we will thoroughly enjoy this as the show goes on. Mm-hmm. So we will um, continue on to the second half of our show, and we will give our final rating at the end. Uh, so yeah, end of the year. Um, thought it'd be a good time to dedicate this episode to our top beers and tech topics uh uh hardware software um news of yeah. 2017 just a nice so nice year-end recap right jay there you go our t- yeah. our top picks i mean we've we've had a lot of great beer throughout the um the past 50 episodes covered a lot of great interesting sometimes controversial tech topics so we thought it just was would be perfect timing for our 50th episode extravaganza and approaching the end of the year to really well actually let me stop myself when this episode is going live we will be right at almost at the end of the year won't be jay yeah a few days before the uh new year so um uh, the way we did this, we we split it up into beer into tech, and then for beer, we are we both we both picked out our top IPAs, double IPA, our favorite brewery, and uh, best overall beer. Yes. Um, so I'll go first. Uh, start off with my top 
IPA of the year. And for me, um, it was neck and neck between this and Yojo out of Moonraker. But my pick for top IPA is 90s R&B from Mumford uh, down in L.A. Great pick. And it was really tough. Um, I think I gave both of them perfect fives, mm-hmm. if I recall. Um, but for me, the the reason I put 90s R&B over Yojo was, <laughs> it's kind of petty, but I did it because of the, the can art <laughs> and the title. The title of, of the, or the, the name of the beer. Um, yeah, what can you say about 90s R&B? Like, I'm a, I'm a child of the 80s, and then I grew up in the 90s. Yes. R&B, hip-hop and R&B, just, like, defined like my musical taste mm-hmm. uh even to this day and um just for a, a brewery to come out with a, a a beer called 90s R&B and have it taste really really good mm-hmm. it was like uh for me it it's it's one of the standouts uh for me in 2017 and I that's why I picked it as my top IPA Jay I'm going to be 100% real on this one I actually <laughs> forgot that this was a single IPA I oh. thought it was a, I thought it was a double I didn't remember the ABV on it. I just, it was weird. And, and a lot of that has to do with like a lot of the breweries that we cover um, and a lot of the breweries that are releasing, you know, really sought after cans. A lot of the big releases tend to be double IPAs. So yeah. I didn't properly do my research on this, everyone, but <laughs> I, I had to look it up. <laughs> having said that, having said that, um, that I would say, I'd say 90s R&B comes in like at a two or a three for me for the year for our show beers. But in terms of a single IPA, I'm going to go with Yojo, uh, who almost edged it out for you as well, Jay. Yeah, I've yeah. I've talked about it since we had it on the show. I've had it a couple of times. I picked up a few cans. Actually, when I did my big haul um, up in the Sacramento area on Black Friday and Yojo, it's just it's it's everything that I want in a single IPA. It's it's tropical, fruity. It's got that creamy mouthfeel, that New England mm-hmm. style, but still at the same time, very uniquely, I wouldn't call it West Coast, but I'd call it Moonraker style. It's You could tell it's a Moonraker beer, and I just, I'm just i just amazed at what they were able to accomplish with this. It's easily the, the top single IPA for me, not just for the show and what we've covered on the show, but just in general for 2017. That's how impressed I am with it. I believe I gave it a 4.75. And a uh, a five for style easily. It's it's to me it's my it's my ideal single IPA. I could just drink like a twelve yeah. pack of them without flinching. <laughs> I probably I, you know I'd probably would have a rough day the next day, but pretty sure I could do it just just because that taste, man, it's so good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great pick. It was it was tough for me to decide, but uh, uh, yeah, I ended up going with nineties R and B. Nice. All right, uh, moving on to double IPA. Uh, this one. For me, was my first beer from this brewery. Mm-hmm. Uh, never had one, but never even heard of them before prior to having this on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, best double IPA for me for this year, Casual Drinks mm. from Vale Brewing, mm. and they are out of Virginia. That's a great pick. Right? That's a great pick, Jay. Yeah, and you know we, we cover a lot of double IPA, so this one, the fact that I chose this um, really says a lot about this beer. And I remember mainly because it was... We hadn't. Ha- I've never had anything from the Vale before, yeah. and it just stood out to me like, "Holy crap, this is really, really good!" And I forget the the t- the catch line or the in the description. It was something you know, casual drink, something you enjoy with with yeah. in the company of good friends, yeah, yeah, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And that just stood out to me. Like the beer was great. Um, 
you know, we had, I forget what the topic was, but I remember the, after the show, I was like, man, that was, that was fun to record. And, yeah. you know, I was having a great time just talking about, you know, beer and, and, and nerdy stuff with you. And that really stood out to me. So having, um, having some casual drinks. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> it's weird, but you know, I do, I, I vaguely remember how it tastes, but I, it was Northeast style and it was, you yeah. know, it hit all the right notes for me. It was creamy. It was smooth. It was a juice bomb and all that put together, it, it easily made it my top double IPA for this year. Yeah, man. I've I have really been meaning to get my hands on some more veil. I haven't since that time that we had I, I had a couple other ones if I remember correctly, like Master Shredder was their like session low ABV <laughs> IPA, if I remember correctly, and a couple other ones. I'm not they're not coming to mind, but casual drinks was definitely a standout on the show. I, I didn't in kind of you know, coming to my pick. I didn't remember how it tasted very well, but mm. I do remember us being very impressed with it and it mm-hmm. being the what I do remember about it is that my first impression impression of of the veil was wow, these guys know what they're doing. These guys are making mm-hmm. high level beer and especially this this double IPA and that it could it could you know, you that being your top pick, I mean, hey, that I think it deserves it 100%. Yeah, yeah. So, what was your your pick for double IPA? This was really tough for me. I mean, if you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know. <laughs> if, if if you look it was hard, if you take a look at our Instagram page, uh, by the way, our Instagram can be found at IBU Podcast. You will see that our top style for the show, the past fiftieth episode, fifty episodes, is easily double IPA. It's it's just what yeah, we've I agree. had on the show the most. It's one of our preferred styles. It's just. It's just what we've had the most out of everything. And this one was a tough one. I was racking my brain. I was going through my memory. I was going through my untapped check-ins, looking at my ratings. And, you know, to be quite honest with you, this was the first one that I thought of. And it was also, speaking of first, the first five that I gave on the show for anything. And uh, I did not expect to like this beer as much as I did. At all, I thought it'd be another standout. By the way, it's from Monkish, uh, their collaboration with The Answer out of Virginia. And, you know, I, I knew it'd be good. I just didn't expect it to be as good as it was, and especially because of its very unique can art, which we covered on the show. And <laughs> it, uh, I, I, let's just put it this way. The can, the can art did not match the quality of the beer, in my opinion. I know in your opinion, too, Jay. Because oh, yeah. It yeah. was, uh, I guess the best way to put it is it was a little bit too unique. So um, if, you, <laughs> if you're a fan of the show or if you've listened to a few episodes, you may have an inkling as to which beer I'm referring to. And that is, of course, Red Beans Didn't Miss Her from Monkish and The Veil. Uh, this is a double IPA, and it was in the traditional Monkish double IPA, New Englandish, yet again, very Monkish style. Uh, very hazy, creamy, substantial just just ticked off all the right boxes and it just had a little tad bit of earthiness as well that was really really unique it was just kind of a tinge of it but it kind of made you think of what you know the name and red beans and rice i mean it didn't taste like red beans and rice but it was almost almost somewhat akin to that to the point where you're like oh red beans and rice but it wasn't like Oh, red beans and rice. You know, like, ooh, like I don't want that in my beer, right? <laughs> it worked. Yeah, it worked. And and let me just tell a quick story. And I, I, 
I'm not entirely sure why I have not mentioned this on the show. Um, I know I mentioned my trip um, that I took to LA. I think it was now, it was in October. I want to say the second to the last weekend of October. Don't quote me on that. But anyhow, I, I went down to Monkish with my wife and we happened to arrive when uh, they were doing a can release. And it was actually one of the cans was featured on the show, Socrates Philosophies. And while we were there, we were having a couple of beers after we got our cans. Uh, we actually, my, my, me, myself, my wife, and my brother, we all met uh, Henry, the head brewer and you know co-owner, part, part owner of mm-hmm. Monkish. And it was really cool to meet him. We chatted with him for about five, ten minutes. Uh, a lot of it, of course, was we're big fans. We love your beer. And the beer that, <laughs> the beer that my brother and I brought up to him was one of the beers was red beans and rice. And it was a funny reaction from Henry because he almost the way he the way he talked about it, it was almost like an accident that that beer was created. He said that the guys from hmm. yeah, he said that the guys from the answer were over at the at, at Monkish. They were all together and brewing, and what they were building towards was you know the hot blend or whatever it was. The recipe was very close to a Monkish beer that they had just brewed. And he said it in a way of saying, so because of this, I said, oh, well, why don't we try adding this to it or tweaking this? And he did this just casual kind of, let's just try that or do this differently. And that was the result. And he was almost, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's because he hears it a lot or what, but he was almost like kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, that that was all right. Like, whatever, you know? And me and my (laughs) brother were just like, uh, we were like, you should definitely do that one again. He was like, oh, okay, all right, cool, you know, right on. Um, but anyway, just a, just a little humorous antidote there. And red beans and rice, it's yeah, it's pr- I wouldn't call it monkish beer of the year, but I would call it definitely. I would say overall, definitely in the top three of their double IPAs that they've done this year. My personal favorite. Yeah, I remember the the, the can art on that, and it definitely did not match mm. the the quality of the beer. I mean, <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it was it was not my favorite can art, but yeah, I do remember red beans and rice, and yeah. it was. I totally forgot it. I, when I was thinking of my top double IPA. I could that one didn't come up. I mean, we've obviously had a ton of great beer on the show, um, uh, and I do. Yeah, red beans and rice. I do remember that that one was a good one as well. So yeah, that was a good pick for double IPA. Yes, sir. All right. Well, um, we're talking about all these great beers and beer styles. What would be your favorite brewery of the year, Jay? What would be that? Take that top spot for you. <laughs> yeah. So our next, uh, uh, I guess, topic or a category, favorite brewery. And if you would have asked me this time last year, I probably probably would have said 21st Amendment mm-hmm. just because uh, I'm a fan and easily, readily available at pretty much any grocery store. Mm-hmm. But, you know, after doing the show with you, Nick, and um, now you know, having access to a great selection of beer at first South Winchester and now at IBU where they get regular can releases from this brewery. Um, so, and we've had, we fe- I think they are mo- our most featured beer on the show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so most of you can figure out uh, my favorite brewery for 2017, Alvarado Street mm-hmm. Brewery um, mm-hmm. out of Monterey. And... And yeah, they consistently hit it out of the park with their can releases. 
And um, fortunately for for us, it's easily readily available if you if you live next to a decent you know a bar or brewery or tap room. Yep. So I can pick it up, you know, at IBU all their all their can releases and. <laughs> I don't know, man. They, I mean, obviously, Cellar Maker and you know, Twenty First Amendment. They're they're well established. Alvarado Street, pretty much for me at least, came out of nowhere. Yeah, and they've just been making beer after beer after beer. Um, so yeah, favorite brewery for of 2017 for me is Alvarado Street. Man, they were up there for me, Jay. They were close. Let me just tell you that. And <laughs> and I and I kind of said it half drunkenly half jokingly whatever <laughs> last show and and I'll say it again cuz it's I mean this is not a category but I do have to say it rook for me the rookie of the year like by far yeah. even though they're not technically they were in existence in 2016 maybe even before that so don't don't quote me on this but like for me personally for for Nick like having their beer consistently for a full year rookie of the year like no contest they they're just killing yeah. it and and they're they're very young and it's only going to get better if they just if they keep this up. So, great pick, Jay. All right, yeah. What did you pick for your favorite brewery this year? Well, this one is going to shock everyone to the <laughs> core. Jay, you're going to jump out of your seat. You're going to fall backwards, spill your beer all over your computer. Knock on wood. I, I shouldn't even joke about that. No, I'm just kidding. It's it's obvious. If you know me, if you've listened to the show, any of my friends that are listening, this is going to hello, cellar maker. They get favorite brewery. <laughs> no way <laughs> four years running for me yes yes i know it's a shocker but um no they 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 hold a special place in my heart and we've had a good amount of their beers a few on the show i think it's something like i don't know what four maybe four yeah, releases something yeah. like that and you know it's it's um i guess you could say kind of taking i, I could say taking a step back if you were to quantify all their beers represented on the show and just kind of tally up their ratings and all that and compare them to other comparable beers or breweries you know they probably wouldn't win that battle you know what i mean it's like they Mm -hmm. probably you know i probably had more um you know just if again adding up scores and whatnot more beers that with better ratings from something like somewhere like alvarado or monkish whatever but you know that's the nice thing about beer it's it's it can be really objective, but it's also very much emotional as well. You know, it's a rating, oh, yeah. but it's like it's also what it what it does to you, the 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 effect that it has, you know, not just on your taste buds, but also on your heart. Oh my god, I'm getting getting sappy here. <laughs> oh, god, Jay. No, okay. In all seriousness, Cellar Maker, my favorite brewery. They they continue to be, and let's go back to ratings and all that fun stuff for a second. You know, they, they seal the deal for me when thinking about all the beers that we've covered on the show and just looking at them and, and, and I'm just going to name it right now. Juice gymnastics. Um, you know, they had, they produce arguably the best beer of the year, you know, in many people's minds and, and, you know, opinions. And that's the thing about Cellar Maker. That's kind of that magic that they have is that they can produce beers like that almost at will whenever they want. Um, and I say that to say that they don't do like juice gymnastics types type type of beers year round. You know, mm-hmm. they don't they don't do particular styles consistently all the time. It's kind of like, hey, you know, just kind of like I talked about last episode. They did the two bars. 
you know, which is kind of the, like a, the really hazy New Englandish style. They decide to do it, they'll do it, you know, and, and, and that's kind of that that magic or that mystery with Seller Maker in terms of you never know what you're going to get. However, whatever it is that they give you is going to be good, and and that's what yeah. makes them great to me. That's what makes them the best brewery to me on the West Coast, one of the best in the country, if not the world, and that's why they get my pick for favorite brewery of the year. Man, I would never have guessed in a million know. years you would have You're, picked Cellar Maker, man. Yeah, I know you are just completely <laughs> shocked to the core, but I mean, I, I had to do it, man. I had to do it. I, I would be surprised if you didn't pick Cellar Maker. I would have been shocked. <laughs> but um, yeah, props to Cellar Maker. Right on. All right. Best overall beer. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a complete surprise uh, to all of you out there, but uh, my pick for best overall, you just mentioned it. Juice Gymnastics, yes. Um, that triple collab with Cellar Maker, mm. other half, yeah. and Trillium. Trillium. Yes. I remember. So that was episode seven. So mm-hmm. pretty early on in our run, and you know we were we'd been drinking some pretty good beers, but I think this was like the first like. Uh, let me. I don't know if it was our first New New England style or that that style of of beer. Yeah, I mean, you know, we had similar ones. I mean, I'm gonna like, for example, like deep concentration from Monkish. Oh yeah, so yeah. that can kind of you know, and again, this kind of goes back to that whole styles and classification sure. discussion. But let's just say it was one of the first ones, right? Yeah, and I remember like this was the, like. This this is probably the first time that like my head exploded yeah. like while we were recording. I was like, "What am I drinking? <laughs> yeah. What the heck?" I'd never had a beer that style that well made before, and like you know, to this day, it's still I still remember it. Like having that beer, I was like, "I was like, what am I drinking? This is so good." Yeah, and um, yeah, that just triple collab with those three powerhouses, man. It just stood out to me and. I don't know if any other beer has has uh, had that same reaction to me. Yeah. Um, maybe it was the hype. It, you know, it was very hype. Like, just was, you know, when it when, was when the we, quality of the beer, man. Let's just, you know what I mean? It's yeah. It was, it was definitely it was hyped. It was hyped. I mean, there's no it was denying hyped. it. I it, mean, that those three and, coming together was like whoa. And and. You know, this was early in our in our run of of recording this podcast, and at that point, I was you know I appreciated craft beer, but I didn't you know know about you know the other you know stuff on the East Coast and New England New England style until we started drinking these beers on the show. And given my limited knowledge of of uh, that style and those other breweries when we first started, like even I knew about the hype, like, Oh, this yeah. is crazy. These three breweries are coming together. Yeah. And then having that, that beer juice gymnastics, like the hype was definitely warranted. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, Holy moly. And it was easily for me, uh, my pick for best overall beer for 2017. It was, it was right at the top of my list, Jay. It all, it, I, I want to say it almost made it. And I kind of took a step back. So my my personal pick for best overall, uh, if you would have told me a year ago, Nick, this is this beer style is going to be your pick for best beer that you tried, 
in 2017 and it is by the way it's not just and obviously everyone if you haven't caught it by now we've we, we narrowed it down to shows that we've excuse me beers that we've had on the show beers, yeah um yeah. but this is all this is not only my the best beer overall that i had on the show but also the best beer overall that i had in 2017 if you were to say hey nick this is this beer style is going to be your favorite i would laugh i would have laughed at you a year ago i would have said <laughs> oh yeah yeah sure absolutely because I wasn't a fan of most of the representations of this style, period. Um, you know, and again, I've mentioned it numerous times on the show. I, I skew heavily towards lower ABV beers that are able to accomplish high levels of flavor. I like to session my beers. Mm-hmm. I like to have a few in one sitting, and you can't have a few 10.5% Russian Imperial Stouts in one sitting. <laughs> Okay, you can, Absolutely but you definitely not. won't make it to work the next day. So anyhow, <laughs> um, I'm I'm just gonna stop leading up to it. I'm just gonna say it. I'm gonna say the three words: Socrates hypotheses. Excuse me, I can't believe I just screwed that up. <laughs> this oh man, this is this, this stout, is a great man. Russian imperial stout. Let me say, there's three words for you. All right, here's the pick, everyone: Socrates philosophies and hypotheses, and the in the immortal words of Inspector Deck from the Wu Tang Clan. This gets it. It is, an, it is a triumph for me, mm. for Monkish overall. I took a sip of it during that visit that I just shared with you, and I almost fell over and knocked over for Mentor, you know, in the, in the, in the Monkish <laughs> brewing area. That's how floored I was. Um, and what made it the top choice for me was the fact that it's a triple IPA. Not a go-to style for me, everyone. Mm. And... I had one triple IPA that I really enjoyed that I went out of my way to get every time that it was available that I, for many years, held at the top of the triple IPA style list, and there was nothing even close to it, in my opinion, and that was Pliny the Younger. And I took a sip of this, and I said, it's better than Pliny the Younger. Like, it's better than Pliny the Younger. I do not, I don't regret saying that. I haven't rethought that statement, I stand by it. And what's also crazy is I've seen some negativity uh, surrounding this particular beer on Instagram and people that weren't a fan of it and, you know, some drain pours. Uh, I mean, just ah, everyone, wow. everyone, yeah, everyone is entitled to their opinion. Let me just say that first and foremost. But man, I just, you know, sometimes I got to question people's taste in beer. Let me just, let me just put it that way. Um <laughs> That's how that's how strongly I feel about this beer. Um, to achieve the flavor, the balance, the lack of alcohol burn, yeah, and presence yep. in this beer, to me it's a it's a feat, is the best way that I can put it. So my pick for best overall beer of 2017, Socrates, or or yeah, or if you're like the Wild Stallions, Bill and Ted, Socrates, Socrates. <laughs> um, yeah, that that's that's some high praise saying that it's better than Pliny the Younger, mm-hmm. and uh, from what I do remember, Pliny the Younger it's strong and you can definitely taste the alcohol, mm-hmm. but I would agree with you, Socrates definitely hides it better. Oh it's, man, I don't know how you achieve that, whether it's how you brew it or the pro- like. I obviously don't brew beer, some kind of alchemy, some kind of alchemy. Of some sort, I don't. I yeah, mean. <laughs> yeah, but that I remember that beer went down pretty smooth. Uh, the 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 times that I've had plenty of the younger was 
it's good, but it's very strong and it hits yeah. you. So um, yeah, I could see I could see your your logic in in ranking that above. Yes, sir. Pliny. So all right, we've wrapped up the beer. We are going into the tech part, our top tech picks. So Nick, why don't you go first and uh, tell us your top hardware pick for 2017? This one, I want to say the best way to put it is it was almost hard in the sense that there were a lot of great pieces of hardware that I happened to pick up and experience, own, whatever, uh, in 2017. But the answer to me was was clear, and I'm going to give it to the iPhone 10. Um, it's not perfect, um, the, you know. Face ID, first generation. It, 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 it yeah. yeah. It's not perfect, everyone. Yes, I, I understand that. I agree. Um, you know, for example, sunglasses. I, I, it doesn't work at all. Oh, yeah. Wow. I got, I got to do the passcode every time. If I'm getting out of bed and I turn over on my side, like I've done for years, and grab my phone <laughs> to unlock it, or yeah. even to look at my notifications. I can't do it. I have to like bring the phone all the way to my face. I have to kind of sit up. I mean, it's kind of like eh, growing pains. But guess what, everyone? It wasn't easy and it wasn't entirely perfect when the very first iPhone came out in 2007 either. And that's kind mm-hmm. of what I keep rem- remembering or reminding myself. And in many ways, this is a, a generation one product. And th- those are some of the growing pains that, quite frankly, I expected. And that people should understand with this. It's it's really the most radical redesign, almost dare I say reinvention of the iPhone ever. And that's what really attracted me to it. And that's something that I really crave as an early adopter, a, a tech enthusiast. I want something to really be a fresh experience. And to me, the iPhone 10 delivered with that and it delivered in a, in a big way. And really for the first time, since the iPhone, the original iPhone 2007, I, I really felt excited to use the iPhone 10. I felt like, wow, this is cool. This is the future. This is, you know, this is Apple at its finest. Um, mm-hmm. You know, being Apple and, and you know, yeah, not being perfect. Apple isn't perfect. No technology company is by, by any means. But delivering its vision of the future of smartphones. They did that with the iPhone 10. They delivered in a big way. Is it is it worth the thousand dollar price tag, absolutely, and for me, it gets the number one tech hardware item for the year. The great pick, and, and for me, it was between the iPhone 10 and my pick. Um, and this is kind of interesting because I don't even own this piece of hardware. <laughs> I definitely do want it. You just really want need you it. Really want one. <laughs> I really do. I didn't want to want it when it for, when it was first announced, but. I, I I can see it fitting into like my lifestyle so well. Um, so my top hardware pick, I don't even own it. Apple Watch Series Three, <laughs> and it's weird because you know iPhone Ten. I don't. My wife own has one. I don't even own one or use one. Uh, and I couldn't think of anything else. I mean, I have an Eight Plus, but that's like you know the design language is like forty years old already. Um. um but something about the Apple Watch, especially the Series 3, now that it has cellular, now that it has LTE, mm-hmm. it's, I know, you know, if we, if we, five years from now, looking back, I definitely think that the Apple Watch Series 3 with LTE is going to, people are going to look back and be like, that's when this 
whole thing started, mm-hmm. whatever it is that's, you know, it, five years from now. Because if you think about it, you can make cell phone, you can make phone calls from your wrist, from something that is like so small uh, and it's on your wrist. That I don't think people get that that how amazing that is and how liberating that is and how just yeah. like amazing that is. It, it really is the, the Dick Tracy phone that people looked at the original Apple watch as, but it really never was because you'd always have to have your phone your right phone. nearby to do it. But this is yeah. truly that, that thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can like ever since the original Apple Watch, you can take phone calls, but your phone had to be within like Wi-Fi. Yeah. You have to be in the same Wi-Fi network or Bluetooth right. distance to do it. But this is completely untethered from your phone. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you can, you know, if you look back at like the Zach Morris phone or <laughs> um, looking back, what's that, Uh, the Michael Douglas movie? The, Wall Street. About the... Wall Street, yeah, you know, the the phone, you know, you have to carry on your phone in a briefcase. If you look back at that and then you look at the Series 3 watch mm, now, man. you can just make phone calls from your wrist. Crazy. It's, I think people don't, I don't think people understand how crazy or how groundbreaking that is. Yeah, I, so, I agree, Jay. So, so, yeah, so for me, a top hardware pick for 2017, and I think it's a sleeper, I super, honestly. Super. Um, nobody knows the uh just how you know important this is apple watch series three for me yeah and i was on apple's website a few days back because oh man i probably want one more than you and i was even <laughs> looking and i was even looking at the ceramic one uh the uh, oh, space gray ceramic nice. oh, oh. oh my <laughs> god i mean that oh and, and you know what's funny is that i couldn't help but remember the very first edition so this is mm-hmm. it, the ceramic is the current edition, right? Oh, the the gold one. Then. Yeah, and it's just oh, just it being so. I mean, sure, it's beautiful, well designed, whatever. But just in terms of practicality and the price tag, it's like, uh, and just looking at the 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 ceramic current edition and the price tag, I believe it they start at thirteen hundred, something yeah, like that. Yeah, twelve ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just you know, and then like looking at like the uh, space black stainless steel which is kind of like the one i have my my eye on to upgrade to it's like well like seven you know like (laughs) it's kind of that gap is closed tremendously and just looking at ceramic and that material and that's just being so appealing to me it's like yeah man i don't know you got to keep an eye on me in in this uh christmas holiday season jay i might i might go to the apple store and do something stupid who knows (laughs) oh man (laughs) All right, all right. So, covered hardware. We're now at software. Yes. So, software to me, this one, uh, in terms of my top app of the year, piece of software overall, this one was like, an, this was like instantly like, up. Oh, it's 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 this. And my pick is Things Three. Uh, Things, of course, is my preferred task manager to do app of choice. It's made by Cultured Code. And I've had things installed on my all my devices actually that I use, uh, except for Android. Let me just say that uh, since it debuted on the App Store for iOS in 2009, 
I want to say 2008, though. I said 2009 in my show notes. 2008, right? Is when the first... 2008 is when the app The first app store. Yeah, yeah. It came out, like, yeah. right after that, or at least I... Down- a year after. Yeah, I it, like, I downloaded it, like, right after the um, the app store launched, and I just... I've used it on a daily basis, literally, since then. There has not been a day since I downloaded it and started using it on my iPhone that I have not used this app. It's, it's absolutely wow. crucial to my work life. And now my life in general that I can't imagine, I'm going to say it because it's true. It sounds like melodramatic, but it's true, Jay. I can't imagine life without it. I'm serious. I'm I'm, I'm serious. That's high praise. It's crazy. And the only other app to where I would almost say that is 1Password. But in thinking about it for this, for the show, I thought to myself, I was like, well, I was like, I started using 1Password like two, three years ago. And I was fine before it. I mean, sure, I wouldn't be as secure. I'd be probably mm-hmm. using the same password or a variation of it across all my logins, which would be terrible. But I'd probably be okay. Or I would just, you know, <laughs> yeah. put them all in my in a notes document or something and be dumb. But um, things, <laughs> no. And and I've I've thought about other task managers. I've I've looked at them. I've experimented with them. And nothing is ever matched in any any or in comparison to any iteration of things, to the level of polish, the quality, um, ease of use, the rock solid sync and quickness of sync. Mm-hmm. That's a big one, by the way, everyone. Nothing has come close. And with with the, with the uh, the uh, version three update that just came out in May, I believe it was. It just to me it leapfrogged over everybody, um, and it's just. Now it's it's like it's to me it's like pretty much perfect. I can't imagine or not imagine. I can't think of or predict what they're going to do to improve it. I'm sure they're going to come up with something or things. Mm. <laughs> but to me uh-huh. it's like this is its final form almost, you know, for wow. for things. It's kind of like just its appearance, you know, the 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 animations um, the again the sync between all platforms. I mean, it just oh, it's just it's perfect. It works for me. It works for my workflow. It, it's just it's kind of like it really is an extension of me and an extension of my brain and how I function. And I rely on it on a daily basis. And I can't say enough good things about it. So I'm just gonna have to shut up and pass it back to you, Jay. <laughs> That's a great pick. And I'll admit that you kind of. Your high praise kind of got me to download, to look at things again. And when Things 3 came out, I ended up downloading it on my phone and on the Mac. And now, you know, I use it for my uh, project or task management uh, nice. system now. So, yeah, Things 3 is, it, that's that's a great pick. Yes, sir. Um, so for my pick, um, I kind of went back and forth between... My pick and actually uh, iMessage messages because I use that Ooh, every day. I like that one. Ooh, I use that's a sneaky yeah, one. Yeah, I yeah I it's it's you know it's utilitarian. You use it every day. You don't you you don't even think about it, but it does its job very well and it's simple. Yeah, it's how I communicate with everybody basically. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather text rather than you know call or email. But um, yeah, definitely. I think um, I think above and beyond that. And this is another like kind of like utilitarian utility. Uh, most people don't even think about it, but it's iCloud in general. The whole iCloud 
ecosystem. So backing up, you know, iCloud includes backing up your phone. Um, for me, iCloud photo library, syncing your photos, uh, storing them in the cloud and syncing them throughout, you know, through your uh, your different iOS and macOS devices. And for for the long time Apple users, uh, cloud the cloud or st- storing stuff in the internet wasn't always Apple's strong point. Mm-hmm. For the long time users, people who have used like dot uh, Mac back in the day mm-hmm. or mobile me, mm-hmm. you know, th- they did not have a strong offering back then. Fun fact: the day I bought the iPad Generation One, I actually bought mobile me for ninety nine dollars. For the year, I'm not proud of it, but I did it. It was like <laughs> yeah, so dumb. Was, I was like, "But I have to have all my calendar I, sync on my iPad, yeah. and my phone, and my computer. It's so I need to do it." And it's like looking back, it's like I can't believe I did that. Yeah, yeah. So, quick story: back in 2003, 2004 ish, I used to work in Apple retail, and they would, you know, obviously it was the easiest thing to sell iPods and and. Power books and all that stuff, but they would always want you to sell like Apple Care, and you know to kind of like pad the the numbers and stuff yeah. in terms of revenue. Yeah. But they always wanted you to push uh, at the time .dot Mac, and it was so hard to sell because you know what could it, it could sync? You would get your own email address and backup, but even at yeah. that point, it wasn't like, that great, mm-hmm. right? But fast forward to 2017, like iCloud now is like a no-brainer i mean you get like five gigs for free but you really need to step up to the next tier like three dollars a month oh no no i'm sorry 99 cents a month to get the 50 gigs or the uh i do the i forget 200 gigs for three for three dollars a month yes sir and now it is rock solid i back up my iphone to icloud um i i'm all in on icloud photo library so all my photos that i take on my iPhone are synced in the cloud and it's it's rock solid and Apple has come a long way from 2004 obviously mm-hmm. to now but um yeah iCloud in general is my top service uh for tw- 2017 great pick Jay and while you were talking I was just curious and I go oh how much am I using and I'm up to 127 gigs out of 200. So, I'm quickly I'm, getting... I'm quickly approaching that that you know, point where I go, mm, I'm going to start shelling out a little bit of a little bit of money for the uh 2 terabyte. I'm at I'm at 176 oh, out of 200. Oh, you're, you're I'm, I'm up there. You're even closer. And, and it's 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 like all photos. Look at that. Mm-hmm. The the yellow bar is like 90% exactly. of that. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the case with most of us definitely. So, all right. Uh, let's move on to our final category, and this was your idea, Jay, and I really liked it. And you kind of added a little twist and said, "All right, what if we do top news article of the year and or controversy?" And I really like that. <laughs> yep. I really like that yep. because you know controversies get you know people talking; they're more exciting, they're juicier, kind of like the beers that we drink. And I, I just <laughs> I liked it, so it got me thinking. And there were quite a few um, in the world in general, of course, crazy times we live in, and of course in the tech world as always. But I went with one that really that hit home for me and gave me, I would say, the most anxiety 
personally uh, hmm. uh, out of oh. out of anything this year in terms of a news item controversy yeah. if you will and that was the pixel 2 xl screen quality issues that um, were really big in the android mm-hmm. world news wise uh, about what now two months ago think is yeah. when I got my Pixel 2XL. So anyhow, what happened was they announced it, Google did at their at their keynote, and I've been holding out for one. My previous uh, work phone was a Nexus 6P, and the Google Pixel 1 came out, and I, I was like, oh, this looks awesome, but I just kind of I held strong, and I said, I'm going to wait for the 2. So I've been patiently waiting for the 2 to come out. The 2 was announced again at the keynote. Um, there were some hot takes Shortly thereafter, they were seeded to reviewers, and everything was generally positive. I liked the specs, the look of the phone, everything about it. I said, yes, I'm going for it. I've been waiting. Let's do this. I ordered. I went for the 128, maxed out, um, even to the protection plan. Everything just, just, just went all in. And literally the day after I did this, I started seeing reports that... Oh, by the way, the screen is garbage and the worst screen ever. <laughs> and uh, it has graininess issues. It has screen burn in. The, uh, you know, if you t- tilt at a certain angle, it has extreme blue tint. And I'm telling you, Jay, I was hitting you up like every day, multiple times a day, sending you articles. You were sending me articles. You were laughing <laughs> yeah. at me. You were clowning me. <laughs> You were saying, ha, 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 you're doing the Nelson, not the Nelson Hops, the Nelson character. And I was this close to canceling my order. I'm telling you, everyone. I was just like, wow, I, this has never happened to me before. I've And by the way, I usually wait. I'm usually patient. I, I wait for mm. the, the smoke to clear. I wait for quality control issues to get hashed out. And I didn't do that this time. I just, I just went for it. And it was blind in a lot of ways. And... Sure enough, it was starting. It was looking like it was going to bite me in the rear, and I was this close to canceling. I, I, if you remember, Jay, I was like, I don't know, man. I think I'm going to cancel. I think I'm going to do <laughs> it. Waffling. I really was. I was really close, and I am very happy to say I've mentioned on the show before. But let me just confirm. Um, presently, I'm not experiencing any of those issues. Really, the only issue that I have experienced is the blue tint, but I don't. Yeah use my phone that way. I don't tilt my phone at a extreme angle and look at it from the side. Right. It's just, uh, you know, it's just, it's just the practicality. It's like using the phone on a daily basis. Is it the best display that I've ever used on a smartphone? Is it on par with the iPhone 10 or the note eight or some of the top tier displays out there right now? No, absolutely not. It's actually, (laughs) I wouldn't call it bad, but it's, uh, I'll put it to you this way. It's noticeably not as good as the ones that I just mentioned, okay? <laughs> Let me just put it to you that way. I mean, it's to the point where I picked up a Pixel 1 the other day, um, the, the um, not the 1XL, just the regular Pixel 1, and I was like, whoa. Yeah. I was like, that screen looks better than my screen. <laughs> I mean, it's mm. it's like it's noticeable, but is it noticeable when you're not looking for it? Is it noticeable when you're using the 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 fastest most responsive android variant ever um is it is it is it noticeable when you're using the best android camera ever and arguably the best smartphone camera currently let me just say that mm-hmm. by the way jay i know you're you're giving me that side eye right now 
Let me just... <laughs> um, no, it's not actually. It's it's still, like I said, when I talked about it a few shows back, the best Android phone I've ever used. And the screen issues are non-existent for me. So um, that is my top pick, just again, solely based on the level of anxiety that it gave me. And let me tell you, it was it was intense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember when the reviews started coming out, I was like, oh no, <laughs> everyone's saying the screen is... is not that great i kept sending you links but no i mean i'm I'm sure um it was all fud fear uncertainty doubt Mm. um yeah yeah i mean the burn-in that's a symptom of of uh, an oled and same with the uh the 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 color shifting even the iphone 10 does the color shifting i've noticed that on my yeah yeah, it does it really does yeah so but yeah that that was a good i remember when the, the that phone came out that that's what the everyone was saying yeah. was the screen so yeah, yeah I, I that was a, that's a great that's a great story um yep. as for my pick so we are recording wednesday december 20th um we are recording this episode early um this is going to be released the week the week of Christmas, uh, we're recording it early so we don't have to record and we can spend time with our families. Mm-hmm. But as of today, there was a there was a um, someone did a, a, a some tests on the iPhone battery, yep. where they noticed that on older phones, that um, when they did speed tests, that the speed test scores were actually slower mm-hmm. on these older phones, and he pub this guy published we'll put the link in the show notes but he published his findings and the, the same day apple released a statement and it's kind of something that people have been suspecting for the longest time and it's that apple slows down older phones on purpose mm. and actually and that is actually true but it's not You'll 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 see the links. You'll see the the click, the clickbait headlines, but it's not what you think. And you know, obviously, we're fans of Apple, but they do it for a good reason. Mm-hmm. So, um, basically, what Apple does is um, on older phones, they purpose. So on older phones like the six six S, and now recently the seven, they purpose in in, in the latest update, they purposely slow down the phones to kind of account for uh the lithium ion battery for uh, they they try to account for its cuz it, it'll degrade over time yeah. and with you know it, it's just physics that's how batteries are after you know a year two years right. your your battery is not going to hold the same amount of charge and um say you've got an iPhone 6 or a 6s and you've got the latest um iOS version version 11 yeah. and It'll push the phone to a certain extent, and the six and the six S battery being around for however long that it's been around, it can't handle whatever it's trying to do. So, it, right. and when before before eleven point two, I think is the current uh, iOS. Mm-hmm. Before that, if if these older phones kind of ran into the, these crazy situations where the processor was being taxed, yeah. it would shut down, mm-hmm. and that's not a good user experience. Nope. So what Apple did with this later latest um, iOS update was instead of 
you know, instead of having these phones shut down unexpectedly when being taxed, they would purposely slow down the phones so that they wouldn't spontaneously restart. So all the headlines out there, headlines out there will say Apple purposely throttles phones, throttles uh, the performance on older phones, which is true, but they do it for a good reason. And this literally just came, this, this whole news story just came out today yep. and I just kind of threw the links together. Um, and let me just say, Jay, first and foremost, this is, this is, this is such a great pick. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's crazy because it literally happened today. I mean, yes. let me just, hold on. The initial report, the Geekbench um, article written by the Geek, Geekbench guy, that came out like yeah. two days ago or so. Something like that. I don't remember. Something, something like, like that. that. But today was actually... They, they came out with the... With the statement. Yeah, and the statement, explanation. Right. And guess what? The headlines? Oh, my God. Like It's not good. No, this is not good for Apple at all. Because number one, people have been suspecting it for years. Right? For for as long as I can remember. Absolutely. And number two, number two everyone is looking is always looking for Apple. Because they're, they're at the king of the hill, right? They're looking yep. for the next gate for Apple, the next yep. end gate, the yep. next antenna gate, whatever have you. And this is it. It has arrived, and it doesn't matter what the explanation is because that is a perfectly reasonable explanation. It makes total sense. Hello, it's a battery issue, and this is the way that Apple chose to address it and chose to handle it. Um, so no matter what the circumstances are, you know, it doesn't matter. The headlines are going to come out. The headlines are out so much so that my mom texted me, <laughs> oh, wow. like a clickbait business insider article. Let me see if I can find it. Let me let me read you this headline here that my mom texted me earlier. Okay, it's actually yeah, and it's, it's and here's the funny part. Here's the funny part. It's from Apple News, by the way. <laughs> so it's from Apple News. If you click on it, it's from Business Insider, great publication. Apple. <laughs> Apple just confirmed a long-time conspiracy theory and gave regular customers a big reason to distrust it. Wow. That's terrible. Wow. That's terrible. Wow. <laughs> like, this is just one. I can't even... I don't... I mean, like, who knows what else is out there and what else is going to happen. Exactly. This is very bad for Apple. They need to really go into full-on uh, salvage mode, whatever you want to call it, in terms of their PR. And I'm going to agree with something that Gruber said, which is not surprising because I just, his take on Apple is like my, it aligns with my take on Apple so closely. It's it's crazy. But Gruber commented, he commented on Panzerino's TechCrunch article, who is actually who got the official statement from Apple, by the way. And Gruber said something along the lines of or he even he he somebody else may have said it and he agreed with it i don't remember exactly but basically the gist of it is apple didn't tell like they worded it when the update came out that the, this new kind of system of of doing this they did say it but it, they didn't go into detail about it they didn't explain it they weren't transparent about it they didn't announce it in the way that would have been understandable to most people and apple really needs to work on that because they're notorious for we think this is best for customers, so this is what we're going to do. And do we need to tell them every time we do things like this? Maybe, maybe not. And in most cases, uh, yeah. and in most cases, Jay, 
They're not going to tell them. And especially in this case, when there's that narrative that exists, when there's that conspiracy theory that they're doing this on purpose and all that, sure, they're not going to do it. And, and you know what? Um, the crazy thing is, is that Apple does do a battery replacement program. I think it's like 80 bucks. Yeah. And you can yeah. replace your battery. You know, they offer it. So I'm sure they're going to point to that. But I mean, how many, like what people have to be asking themselves now is like how many times have there been where people have said like, well, my, my phone is running like absolute crap. Mm-hmm. I, I need a new phone. When the remedy, you know, the problem would have been remedied by a battery swap. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's crazy because I see both sides to mm-hmm. it. I mean, the physics of battery um, capacity, you know, there's no way around it. Like batteries are, they're not going to hold the same capacity as the years go on. I mean, we, that's why we leased our electric car because after how many number of years, it's not going to hold the same amount of charge. And it's just, it's just physics. And Apple chose to deal with this re you know this reality of batteries in this way but yeah they could have been more transparent about it like been like hey this you know um i don't know how they could have done it but just say like with this update if you have this certain phone you may notice some performance degradation because we to to preserve battery life or to preserve user experience or whatever they could have been more transparent in that in that sense um but the fact the way that this got discovered or got reported no matter what they say it's not a good look at all because this is just something that has been suspected of them for years and i totally get it being a nerd being an engineer i totally get it but I think they could have been more transparent. They could have been more forthcoming and let let the public know ahead of time rather than having it having it bite them in the butt like like this. Oh. And um I think Marco tweeted something like the reputation damage from secretly slowing down old iPhones, regardless of the reason, will likely linger for a decade. And I wow. I kinda agree with that. Just cause this is something that we have, people have long suspected and it turns out that it's true just for this one update but they weren't forthcoming and they didn't you know and this is something that kind of people had suspected for years and people are going to think what they want to think like oh apple does this on purpose so you can buy a new phone and now that this report came out they're just that just reinforces their opinion so Oh man. Crazy. It's not a good look. No. I get, I totally I understand it. I understand the the engineering and the physics, but the the whole PR of it is ugh, I I'm glad I don't work for PR over at Apple. Oh point. man. And and you know, it's just it, again, the classic it was a combination. It's partially Apple thinking that this is best for their customers and they don't know any better, so they're going to just do it and you know, not wanting to disclose that for whatever the reasons are, mm-hmm. right? Whatever right. the reasons are. But yeah, this is just, it's coming back to bite them in the, in the behind. And good luck to Apple. This is, <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> this is definitely bad. So well, I think that was... Jay, you know it's not bad? It's a nice show beer. Absolutely. <laughs> and the time has come for us to do our 50th 
final 50th. rating. And since you went last time, excuse me, since you went first last time, I will go and go first and say, yeah, I need to fin- I need to finish. And I finished. First. Yeah. So there you go. There it is. So I guess we are playing by the rules. And let me just say, first and foremost, this was easily, easily one of the best stouts I've ever had in any form, like hands down, like by far. I, I mean, this is ugh, incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just super balanced. Um, all the flavors were there. Super easy to drink. One of the smoothest... 10.5% beers in any category that I've ever had in my life. Ever. Yeah. I mean, it, it's incredible. Like the, 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 to the speed at, as to how I drank, how quickly I drank this and not detecting any hint of alcohol burn, it's, it's incredible. Uh, I'm going to give it a 4.75. Uh, it is in the top five, I would say, possibly even top three stouts all time that I've ever had in my life. And that's coming from a very um, limited exposure to stouts or preference for stouts. I really enjoy stouts. Do I drink them as much as I should? No. And this is a good one to remind me to do so more often. And uh, just extremely impressed with this. What's what is holding it back from a five? You always have to ask yourself that, and those of you listening are probably asking yourselves that. Um, as it warmed and as I progressed through the bottle, the carbonation diminished considerably. Um, in fact, it wasn't it wasn't there past the first ten minutes, probably 10, 15 minutes. Was it a huge factor? Did it degrade my rating to the point where it was like a I don't know, like a four, five, four, two. No, but it was a noticeable knock. Um, I would have loved to have tasted this a year, two years, three. I would have loved to have followed the directions of Stone, is what I'm saying, and and had one every six yeah. months to a year since yeah. since that time. And who knows, maybe in the future I will for a future Stone Stout. And this is definitely not going to be the last Russian Imperial Stout uh, from Stone or any brewery that I try. Very impressed with it. Four seven five. Nice, nice. Um, I'm going to give it a five. Um, <laughs> I don't have that many. <laughs> Nick's raising the roof. I don't have that many stouts in general, um, but the few that I've like, I, I've had enough to know what, what's a good stout. And I had Bottle Logic a few weeks ago at my buddy Joe's house. And from those were probably above a five those were just like Incredible. amazing yeah. um you know specimens of, of, of a stout examples of a stout um but this stone imperial russian stout aged five years uh those first few sips were were like like it reminded me why stouts are are great they're i think you know everyone's on the haze train the ipa train and you know, obviously, we—that's the style that we drink mostly on the show. But you know, stouts, stouts are good. It's, you know, I like, you know, I like my beer strong, and mm-hmm. and this definitely fits the bill. Yes. And um, it's a def, it's definitely a good rendition of a stout. So um, yeah, this this aged very well. It's super complex, easy to drink. Ten point five, I definitely feel it, but I didn't experience it. 
while I drank it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of I. There's seriously no way I can knock it down. Oh. So that's why I give it a perfect five. Oh, yeah. Oh man, it's <laughs> it might be. <laughs> Might be. I might be being too picky here. Who knows? But anyhow, um, <laughs> anyway, Jay, um, where can folks send you Russian Imperial Stout recommendations? Um, I'm over on Twitter at Jay Torres. I'm also on Untapped at Jay Torres as well. And you can find pictures of beer that I post over on Instagram at Bay Area Beer Life. You can find my personal Untapped account at Nick Pro, N I C K P R O. Our show accounts on both Twitter and Instagram at IBU Podcast. Again, special thanks to loyal listener, friend of the show, Brendan Ritz. You can find him on Untapped at Brendan Ritz with a Z at the end. We are having an absolute blast. We cannot believe it has been 50 episodes. Jay, it's just inc- <laughs> it's, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. And we couldn't have done it without you listening out there. We're, we're just having the time of our lives doing this for you. We, we love beer. We love technology. And having the opportunity to sit for an hour or so once a week and have a great beer, discuss an in- interesting tech topic, and have all of you listen and, and enjoy this, um, I don't know, experience with us is extremely humbling. We're appreciative of all of you listening out there. We can't wait to do this again for another 50 episodes. And we can't wait to join you next week for another great beer and interesting tech topic. And until then, Nick, man, cheers. It's been fun. Cheers. Here's the 50. All right, my man. I think it was a good show. Yeah, that was fun. It was good. This beer was ridiculous. I wish I had. A, I think I'm gonna get another drink after this just to keep the party going. I might. I might. I might. I got. I got a little worked up with my whole thing, but um, fuck, it's eleven. I gotta work tomorrow. You working the rest of the week or what? Um, I work from home, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a gift and a curse. That's the after show right there. <laughs> if you don't find anything, that has to be it, dude. You, you work, know, just you that working tomorrow, line. bro? Psh, I, I work from home, home bro. <laughs> That's it, dude. That was it, man. Sometimes you got to talk for like an hour to find like that perfect thing. That was it, dude. <laughs> oh my god, bro, uh, that was awesome, dude. I'm gonna go grab another. I might. Drink. You, now that you just told me, it's <laughs> peer pressure. Damn it! All right, man. <laughs> Fuck. I want to be hung over tomorrow. You'll be fine. <laughs> you're, you're the devil on my shoulder, dude. Oh, you'll be fine. Just crack another Just one. Do it. Just do it, man. Just Come do it. on. <laughs>